Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. Well, today on the show, we're going to talk a little about calcium. It's important for plant health, just like it is for human health. It's also really important for your soil. It may be the most important nutrient for the soil and your soil structure. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. If you've got any questions for us or if there's anything happening on your farm right now you want to visit with us about, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. We'll get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute here, and we will talk about calcium again throughout the show today. But to start off, I, I guess I just want to talk to everybody, especially if you're in the northern United States or up in Canada, and you see snow on the ground yet, I realize we're getting into late March here, and you may be getting nervous. I was just talking to a farmer this morning. He said, boy, I hope it'll, you know, the snow will melt and we can get get out there fairly soon. And there are a lot of people just worried, and I get it. Like here where we farm, it's the second most snowfall ever recorded in a winter. So, um, by the way, the record was in 1969, so it was a long time ago. In other words, we haven't had a winter like this here in quite a long time. So it can get discouraging, but here's the good news. If you haven't been paying attention to the frost depths, if you're in an area where you had lots of snowfall, I would just say the frost is not nearly as deep as it usually is. Like on our farm right now today, it's 19 inches deep where our weather station is at. Normally at this time of year, it's 30 to 50 inches deep. (laughs) So when it's only 19 inches deep, I'm very encouraged. And there are a lot of people right around here even talking about how, you know, The water isn't really running off, and half our snow, probably three-quarters of our snow, is already melted. We believe it's sinking in. And then when I visit with people who've been moving snow, and then they find uh, dirt that's soft underneath, I'm going, you know, I'm encouraged. I think our, our winter blanket of snow kept that ground warm enough that I just feel like as soon as the snow disappears here in the next couple of weeks, that we might be out there farming a lot sooner than we think. So anyway, I, I just encourage you today, stay positive. And the other thing is, please don't wait to get ready for spring thinking it's far away. This happens often where we say, ah, it's I got, time. I got plenty of time. There's, there's no point pushing it, whatever. Um, no, I'd encourage you to get your stuff, get ready to go so the day things are fit, you're all set. You're ready to roll. And hopefully then you can get the crop in at least fairly early and you have a great crop here in 2023. All right, let's get to the Egg PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, got some soil samples for you, but first, got a weed control question, Brian. So this one comes from Les. Les says, we are grain farmers about as far north and west in North America as you can get. Uh, British Columbia, Yukon, Alaska kind of area here. Uh, Anyway, he said, first of all, 
weed control challenge, scouring rush or horsetail. This gets really confusing because I hear you guys talking about mare's tail and horseweed and all these other names, but uh, I'm talking about that short little non-flowering perennial weed uh, that that's kind yep, of a tube. scouring rush or field. He said we're tail. having trouble with that in our Roundup Ready canola. Yep. MCPA and 2,4-D do suppress it somewhat. But it's still a real problem. I've heard you guys talk about dicamba. I've heard you guys talk about other things. What actually kills us? Our rotation is wheat, barley, some alfalfa, uh, and then Roundup Ready, Clearfield, or Liberty canola. Okay, two things. First of all, germoxone is really the only herbicide we've ever seen control this weed. And keep in mind, germoxone just burns stuff to the ground. So it's probably not going to do a fantastic job on the root system of this perennial wheat. But here is what we have typically seen with scouring rush over the years. It's in areas where, number one, the crop's not growing well. And number two, the crop's not growing well, usually because there's a drainage issue. So you fix the drainage. You take a look at your overall soil fertility. Get that soil fertility balanced and into the high and very high categories for not just N, P, and K, but literally every single nutrient. So you take care of drainage and fertility, and you know what? Your crop is probably going to choke that scouring rush out, and the scouring rush over time will usually disappear if you do those things. That's what we've seen on our farm and the people that we've worked with over the years. But yeah, germoxone, and that's a burndown product you can't use in crop, unless, of course, you're using a hooded sprayer in... Uh, in rows or something like that. But, I mean, realistically, in your rotation, wheat, barley, alfalfa, uh, you can't use it anywhere other than after or before you seed the crop. Okay. Then soil samples. You said 2022 dry fall, 2021 wet. Uh, we've got a few different fields here. Obviously, we've got some differences, got some low pH out there. Aglime actually just became available, but it's pretty expensive and it's it's a long transport, but we can't yeah, but, actually get it. But here's the good news. There's some of this where you don't need any lime. You're at 6, 6, 2, 6, 1, all those things. I wouldn't lime that. Well, they or got alfalfa at, in the rotation. That's oh, the challenge. yeah, that's true. That's, yeah. So and with your barley. alfalfa, here's the and other barley. thing. If you could be really choosy about which ground you go in on that then maybe only lime one field up to seven. Here's the problem with that, though. Lime takes, and especially the further north you get and the the colder it is, the longer it's going to take to break down. So, you know, to go from, you've got pH as low as 4 or 7 here. Your alfalfa is going to do horribly in that kind of ground. You've got to get the pH real close to 7 for alfalfa and fairly close to 7 for barley to maximize yield in both those crops. All right, he said they, they have found manure in the past, but it's hard to find. They're wondering about green manuring a legume crop. Would that help them in any way? Well, uh, sure it would, but, I mean, there's cost. There's just the lost time and everything, the lost revenue, That because you aren't harvesting the grain. You're just going to plant a crop and, and till it back in or let it die or, I mean, spray it off, whatever. So, I mean, I'm a bigger fan in, hey, let's fertilize, especially and K and you're in good shape. We'll talk more about that right after this. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. 
Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right Fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact Emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. There's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC Herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode of action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 Herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. Palmer Amaranth. Four counts of yield theft, resistance to groups two, four, nine. You ain't got nothing on me, man. We've been surveilling you. And now we've got Tough 5EC, a tank mix partner that'll make sure you and your gang of resistant weeds never see the daylight again. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belsham Crop Protection. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today talking about calcium. But right before the break, we were discussing a question that came in from Les up in Canada over in, I'm not sure, Darren said British Columbia or Yukon. I don't know why he said Yukon. But anyway, British Columbia, we'll go with that. But anyway, I, I didn't get a chance to finish up on his soil tests. The, the big thing, we talked about the pH already, especially when there's barley and alfalfa in the rotation, you've got to get that pH at least 6.5, preferably 7, so those two crops do better. Wheat will do fine if you're in the low 6s for pH, but barley and especially alfalfa will not. Um, on potassium, I mentioned potassium, and you stop and think about it. Okay, wheat and barley, a lot of people bail up the residue, and I don't know what he's doing, but if he's bailing the straw there, uh, that's taking a whole bunch of K off the field. We know alfalfa removes ridiculous amounts of K, and his K levels aren't great. Uh, I mean, they aren't terrible in several of the fields, but he's as low as 1.3% base saturation K. So when I've got alfalfa in the rotation, and if I am going to be baling straw off the field, I don't want just the minimum 4% base saturation potassium we usually talk about. I probably want 5, 6, 7, something like that. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is a lot of your phosphorus levels are 10 parts per million. You've got to push that. A lot of your K levels are substandard. You've got to push that. You do those things. And I'm less worried about that green manure that you were talking and everything. But there are also a couple of micronutrients that I'd point out. So with zinc, he's got some levels that are seven parts per million. That's great. Uh, even as high as uh, 11 parts per million. Awesome. But I mean, there's also somewhere we're at two. And a lot of times we want that phosphorus to zinc ratio somewhere in the 10 to 1 range approximately it doesn't have to be exactly that but somewhere in the ballpark 
Um, so when you're at two on zinc, you're not in the ballpark at 10 to 1, or at least not where we'd like to be with our phosphorus levels. Okay, and then copper. Copper is a really important nutrient for all these crops. And we're at 0 0.2, 0 0.3 parts per million. Get that copper up to at least a couple parts per million. And then boron is the last thing I'd mention. Boron is especially important in alfalfa, but it's important in wheat and barley too. And we don't want to see it at 0 0.4, 0 0.2 parts per million. I, I mean, a lot of times we look at what is our calcium level, divide that by 1,000, and that'll tell us roughly where we could be in the soil. And you're 1,000 to 2,000 on calcium, which means we want to be 1 to 2 parts per million on boron, and we should be able to do that fairly safely. All right. Thanks for the question, Les. Thanks for uh, for keeping up with our show, too. We really appreciate the support. Uh, let's head down to Iowa. Get our friend Kelly Garrett down there. He works with the Extreme Ag Group as well, in addition to all the stuff he's doing on his own farm. Kelly, thanks for joining us. Hi, Darren. How are you guys? Well, I'm doing pretty good, but I was a little nervous there because I gave Brian some soil samples, and you know how that goes, Kelly. It could be like an hour before he's going to be done because he's going through it all. But I love that the farmer asked first about calcium. Hey, what do I do about the calcium? And I know that's a big one for you guys on your farm too. It's one of my new favorite topics, yes. Calcium, I, I learned in the summer of 21 from Jason Schley. He, he made the statement to me and made me go investigate it that calcium is my number one nutrient deficiency. He had been looking at, like, he said something like 8,000 soil tests throughout the summer and 8,000, or, you know, 8,000 uh, uh, tissue tests comparing them. And he's like, it's your number one nutrient deficiency. And he was right. And we have been, we have been researching it and fighting it and trying to amend it ever since. You know, it's one thing if you look at a soil test and it says your level is low or very low and, and it's easy to say, yep, I can see that's probably an issue, but uh, you've got to have some soils that it says it's high in. And that's always a challenge for guys to understand. How can I have possibly too much of something yet it's not available for my crop. And that's the very definition of calcium. <laughs> I would imagine the reason that you said that. Calcium is such a challenging thing to work with, and that's the reason it is our biggest nutrient deficiency. Calcium, you know, and it, I, I love this topic because it's chemistry and it's math and then, you know, it's black and white. Calcium is a double positive charged ion, and it very, very much wants to get neutral, and it's going to bind to everything. And it, it specifically probably your phosphorus. It's going to push down, you know, like you were talking about that soil test. Uh, I would suspect it's either calcium or magnesium that's pushing down the gentleman from British Columbia. That's what's pushing down his base saturation K. It's knocking hydrogen out of the way. It's tying up our phosphorus, as I said. It's causing all kinds of problems, but yet it's low in the tissue test because it's unavailable. Well, it's unavailable because it is that double positive tar charged ion, and it's tied up to everything, and it's unavailable to the soil. So we either need to find a good calcium product, or we need to find a product that will help break that bond. I can tell you're passionate about this too, Kelly. And and you think about that. If you've got uh, calcium and it's tied up and it's just binding to everything, how do you shake that thing loose? Now, a lot of folks will say, well, what about sulfur? I add some sulfur to the mix. Is that going to kick some things loose at least for a little bit? Or, or does this mean you have to actually apply calcium in every situation? 
we we have a two-step approach and you know this is uh, uh, yes i am very passionate about this subject because my number one yield deficit here my number one yield challenge is calcium and the base saturation calcium i have in these hills here in western iowa you know perfectly balanced soil we want 65 to 68 percent calcium i in places have 85 and even a severe spot 90 percent and that you know the byproduct that i use out of the liquid feed industry has a lot of elemental sulfur and we see a lot of a, a lot of yield gain and soil amending qualities from that sulfur because sulfur is a double negative charged ion. And then that the sulfur, when we introduce it to the soil profile, becomes the most attractive thing for the calcium. It releases everything else and, and, and releases the other nutrients, and there we go. The one problem is, though, I still don't have available calcium. So we want to put calcium in furrow. We want to put calcium in a foliar app to get calcium into the plant. And, and now we, you know, we even have things that we put in furrow to help break that bond to make the calcium more available, but it, it's a problem every year that you, you're never going to solve it. You just will amend it year by year. You know, there are a lot of things that if you said, well, Kelly, you have to apply nitrogen every year, and I don't think you'd worry about that at all. But when you tell other farmers, hey, you got to do something about your calcium every year, they're going to say, wait a minute, I, I'm focusing on N, P, and K. But you're right. It's one of those nutrients that we just don't talk about enough. And when you get somebody like Neil Kinsey around or uh, our, mm -hmm. our good friend Dick Goff, that's the first thing those guys want to talk about because it makes such a big difference. Yeah, you know, we had a calcium trial and furrow out here on the bottom between my shop and my house, you know, when you've been here. Yep. And it, high yield area, uh, 315 bushel is what it yielded. We put the calcium in, 325. It made a 10 bushel yield difference in a 300 bushel setting. That's a huge difference in that big of a setting. It just totally tells you the importance of calcium and, and how big of a nutrient def deficiency you have. Yeah, and you know when you eliminate one deficiency, then you move on to the next. Okay, we got plenty of calcium, and that was holding you back on 10 bushels. What's the next thing? Is it even a little more available calcium that gets you to 335, or, or is it now, right. okay, we got calcium dealt with, now it's something else. Uh, the, the cool thing with calcium is... Uh, that's what helps get everything else into the plant. So if you get enough of that, it certainly helps you get those other nutrients in as well. And, you know, you mentioned tissue testing. We've talked about soil testing. It's tricky to know what numbers you're really looking for because the labs will tell you low or high or you're just right, all those kinds of things. But uh, if you're raising 300-plus bushel corn and I'm raising 150 or something like that, it, it's going to be a little different number that we're each going to need. you gotta kind of got to figure that by trial or error, or do you have a better system right. than that? No, it's not. You know, you hit the nail on the head when you said the average guy is talking about NPNK, and you're right. We have been taught as farmers, or we've fallen into a mentality as farmers, that we want to build, 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 push the NPNK. More is always better. We don't need to build the soil. We need to balance the soil. So we do need a certain amount of NPNK, but we also need a certain amount of calcium, or we need a certain amount of all the elements or nutrients that Brian was talking about at the beginning. It's balancing the soil, and calcium is a, is something that's very challenging to work with, and we need to be adding it in several different ways to help balance the soil. And a balanced soil leads to a, a very nice yield. You're going to reach your potential, which is different for everyone. You're yeah. correct. Yeah, it is different for everyone, no doubt about it. And, and certainly along the way, uh, getting that available calcium out there is going to help with plant health, with soil health, with lots of different things going on out there in your field. Hopefully, ultimately, your profitability. Uh, Kelly Garrett speaks so passionately about calcium because it's definitely helped his farm down in Iowa. Kelly, thanks for sharing that. Really appreciate it today. 
Thank you, guys. Thank you, Derek. Bye. Talk more about this important nutrient, calcium, and we'll take your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. From the smallest fastener to the trusses overhead, Morton leaves absolutely no detail to chance. It's how we ensure that your building stands the test of time. From concept to completion, we take pride in providing a high-quality building to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Talking calcium on today's Ag PhD radio show, and you know what happens when we start talking calcium. Uh, all of a sudden, the industry experts start coming out to say, man, this makes such a difference. We really like to focus on this. One of those guys we like to turn to is our friend Bill Brush out in California. Bill, how you doing? 
Doing great. Doing great. We uh, went from drought to how are we going to manage all the water we're getting all of a sudden? <laughs> Feast and famine out here. So anyway, yeah. but I think I'd rather have too much water than not enough, okay? Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that uh, is a good thing. When you don't have water, you just can't grow a crop. So at least you got a shot of yeah. growing it here. But <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. So talk to us about calcium. Cause I know, I know this is a passionate topic for you too. And something you're looking at on soils and you got such a, a wide range of soils you get to work, work with. Do you have some super high calcium soils or are they a lot of low calcium soils? You name it. I've worked with them. I've, I've had 85 up to 88% calcium soils and, and I've had calcium down in the mid thirties and uh, from sand to, to heavy on both ends of it, you know, Sandy with too much and, and uh, heavy with too much of either or. So uh, yeah, you get a good uh, overview of every type of soil type out here in California. Yeah, that's, well, you get every crop and, and almost every weather extreme. You, you got a lot of stuff going for you there. It keeps <laughs> keeps your job interesting, yeah. Bill. Okay, talk to us a little bit. We just had uh, a farmer out in Iowa talking about how his high-calcium soils, he's adding calcium, and he said last year he gained 10 bushels adding adding more calcium, just trying to have available calcium. Do you, do you find that to be a challenge for your growers? Yeah, I think that one thing is that, that most the misconception of most people's idea of the nutrients is, is they get back, and this is a chemistry problem. That's the way they look at it. And, and it's not a chemistry problem. It's a soil chemistry problem, which is different. You know, your soil is alive with microorganisms. And at the end of the day, that's what has to be fed, and that's what we need to focus on when we talk about calcium yeah we need calcium in the plants and we need calcium for the microbial activity but most of it we need it for flocculation and getting the soil in shape so that it has the proper amounts of air and water which then will feed the, the microbial activity and that's really what feeds the plant and allows calcium but in a calcium and the hard part for everybody to understand most of the time everybody understands if you're short Okay, I don't have enough. I put more on. Now I have enough. But the other thing they, they forget is I got too much. How can I not get enough into the plant? And that, that comes true with magnesium and calcium both. Once you cross the threshold that you get, exceed, the, the and, and calcium, I look at it as above 80, 80 to 85 and above that, then what you get is you get a dispersion of soil that doesn't want to work like good soil does, because you don't have enough magnesium to kind of hold it back together. So you don't get the proper amounts of air and water. It doesn't work like you think. And so therefore, the available calcium is not there. And the adverse for magnesium works the same. But we're going to talk about calcium today. Uh, Dr. Albrecht liked to put it this way, that everything goes into the plant over the back of calcium, meaning calcium makes it easier to get all the other nutrition into the plant. So it becomes really, really critical. I think because if you look at a, an analysis bag, they start with NPKS, and then we get the calcium magnesium as if they're really down the line. But, but if you want to improve your efficiency of uptake of all nutrients, get your calcium right. And remember, we're looking, and almost any book will tell you that you want to be between 65 and 70% calcium. Well, what that really means, that means every clay particle that the nutrients that are held on that negatively charged clay particle 
two-thirds of it should be calcium. Now think about that. Two-thirds of it should be calcium. So that being the case, there's not a lot of room for everything else to get on there. And we want magnesium at 10 to 12%. Well, there's our 80% or thereabouts. Well, that's why they're so important in the structure of soil. Hey, we Bill, think about feeding the plant. Hey, Go B- ahead. Bill, one, one other question here is a lot of folks think, well, calcium, isn't that a pH discussion? And if my pH is in line, should I be nervous adding calcium? Uh, how do you coach guys around that? Well, I look at soils that I've worked at with some of the most productive soils I've worked with. Their pH has been 7, 8 to 8. And they're, they're that high because their water pH, the irrigation water they're using is that. So eventually that's what their water became. So we have to, to adapt that. But we need calcium to get up there. Uh, the misnomer, and everybody has always thought about calcium only gets supplied when we have acidic soils. Well, if you have a good soil test, you find out what you're missing. Maybe you're missing magnesium, too. So you could be a dolomite situation, or you could be, but it just means the presence of hydrogen to give you an acidic condition. And one of the things, once you get acidic, particularly below six, all of a sudden, these calciums go right to work because we need acidity to break down a calcium carbonate bond. Or, you know, and so with that in mind, uh, it, immediately since all of your soil is acidic, it's going to break down that calcium rapidly. It's going to displace the hydrogen that's held upon that clay colloid. And all of a sudden, we got our calcium where we want to. I always look at those as really easy, easy things to do. But when you need calcium and your pH is high, people are reluctant to do it. But they always discount what microbial activity will do if you get the proper amount of calcium. You begin to build air. And that's why uh, when I've talked to Neil Kinsey and read Dr. Albrecht's papers, one of the things they talk about is the, the three-year program it takes to get calcium to work and get it up to the level you want to. And that primarily is because it takes one or two years to really get your microbiology revved up to convert this calcium carbonate because they etch that ca- calcium carbonate molecule and release the calcium, which that microbe needs too. They're starving for their calcium because calcium is just super important for cell uh, development and basically filling up the vacuoles of those cells and gluing those cells together. So when we're short of calcium, we're slowing down that growth process, and uh, we try to make up for it by increasing uh, vegetative growth by putting on more nitrogen on, and it's just the opposite. When we talk about calcium, the passion with which many of our guests talk about this particular nutrient, if it's not inspiring to you where you say, man, maybe I should take a second look at calcium in my soils. Uh, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know if you're, you got to pay attention to this. These guys know what they're talking about. We're talking with Bill Brush here out in California. And Bill, uh, you mentioned as a couple of things here. Number one, you were just talking about what calcium is doing inside the plant. Number two, you're talking about how calcium helps get nutrients in the plant. And number three, you're talking about how calcium really builds the house, making sure you've got uh, those microbes taken care of, you've got plenty of air for them, you get the right balance of air and water and those types of things. There's just a lot that goes into calcium that uh, it, it, it's a really important nutrient and there really isn't another one like it. No, and like I say, it's the majority of what we have as exchangeable on the soil colloid. 
it's always that way. And when it's not, you have the worst conditions usually in the worst production. The thing I found out when I first started working this program 25 years ago and really full-time 20 years ago was the fact that when you get calcium right, everything else works better. Everything. Your, your nitrogen efficiency, and I know I'm a farmer too. We farm about 800 acres of tree crops here, is that I don't like paying for nitrogen that I don't need, but yet if, if I don't have my calcium right, I have to put more nitrogen to get enough into the plant. Your nitrogen efficiency will go up 10 to 15% if your calcium-magnesium ratio is right, and particularly if you've got your calcium up where you need it. Uh, I, I would say one other thing, and, and I don't want to, if you have really sandy soils, one of the problems that we get into is some people look at these percentages and, well, I got the percentage I'm supposed to have, but your, your ground is so sandy, it can't hold the pounds. And I like yeah. to say microbes eat pounds and your crop devours pounds, not percentages. That is... So if we can keep those pounds up to a level, and sometimes if you're sandy enough, you have to have an additional calcium every single year to keep your pounds up. Just like you're going to with nitrogen, just like you're going to with boron. Once you realize how important it is, you won't feel bad doing it. Uh, Bill, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on to talk a little about calcium. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition N Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. When you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. So call Farm Shop MFG today at 712-520-6051. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. 
Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no. Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We are talking about calcium, and if that's not super exciting to you, you must have missed the first part of the show. Our guests are super excited about calcium and the difference that it's making out in fields for farmers uh, in terms of profitability, in terms of soil health, in terms of healthy plants. Uh, just a, a really, really important nutrient. It's it's uh, in in the largest quantity in most soils, and there's a reason why. I've got our friend Dan Peterson now right now with AgriLiquid. Dan, how are you doing? Hi, Darren. I'm doing okay. I'll have to admit to a bit of a scratchy throat today, so I apologize in advance if I if that comes through in my voice. Oh, you sound just fine to me. When we were talking about calcium, Dan, you had to, it had to be music to your ears to hear uh, the previous guests on here talking about, man, I got to get more calcium out there. I had to get available calcium out there. Uh, I, I know you can certainly help with yep. that. Yep. Well, Bill, he, he covered an awful lot of ground and uh, uh, kind of a tough act to follow here. So, uh, yeah, calcium is, um, uh, I think he covered uh, some major points pretty well, but calcium is, like so many of the things about soil science that we're learning today and about plant nutrition that we've just, it, it's amazing. If I step back earlier in my career, which does go back quite a ways because my hair's pretty gray, uh, there's so much we didn't even touch on with soil testing, with soil chemistry. Uh, we just didn't really understand um, nutrient interactions and how important balance is in the soil for optimizing performance. But on the other hand, <clears throat> probably 20, uh, only 25 years ago, where I'm at here, 140 bushel corn crop was excellent. Now, People are disappointed if it's less than 225, and so we're we're impacting our soils much more intensely than we did 25 or more years ago. And I think calcium is one of those that's now coming to the forefront. That um, you know we're impacting and using calcium in ways that we weren't uh, years ago. And so now, like so many other nutrients, we have to understand it and know how to use it, know how to fix it and, and uh, maintain that, that balance in the soil to optimize our yields and keep that soil productive. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great setup to, to the discussion when you, you think about what we're doing now compared to what we were doing back 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and further back. Uh, you're right. We, we need a lot more exchangeability with the soil. We're raising very good production uh, in comparison to what we have been in the past and getting things in balance like like calcium for example we're talking about today is really important here's one of the challenges i'm going to throw at you dan and we get uh feedback from from our listeners all over uh, every day and a lot of them like today our first question that we had i don't have lime available close to me or by the time you truck it here it, it costs a lot of money what can i do if i find myself in that spot where 
wow, I, I really needed lime like three years ago, as Bill was saying, if it takes that long to, to get the, the microbial population really fired up and, and working out there. Uh, but I don't have that three years. I, I need something right now. I got to put a crop in. Yep. Uh, what what do you see yep. with calcium additions in a in a soil that just desperately needs available calcium? Yeah, for one thing, make sure your calcium in that situation is in a soluble form. And soluble calcium does not impact soil pH. Um, for calcium to have an impact on soil pH, uh, you think in terms of ag line, uh, well, it's in the oxidized form. And um, the calcium as, as, an eye, as a cation by itself won't, won't affect soil pH. And that's the form that's available for uptake in the plant. So an available soluble form of calcium in close proximity to the roots is very important. For example, with with uh, legumes, uh, that calcium, that soluble calcium, is critical for nitrogen-fixing bacteria that form nodules on the roots. Well, if you're in a, an acidic soil uh, and you're low in calcium, uh, in a situation, for example, that you might be impacting your yields, having that soluble calcium, and it doesn't take a whole lot, but having that in close proximity will help your nodulation and uh, and it'll help your uptake of other nutrients as well. Bill touched on the impact on um, my, microbial activity. <clears throat> and when you look at soil microbial activity, uh, when you start going out to the either end of the pH scale, um, that microbial activity really diminishes. So if you're in acidic soil, uh, you, your soil microbes are much less active in that rhizosphere around the root hairs. And that's where calcium can really help that situation. One of the questions that, that we get is if, if I apply a liquid calcium source, and, and I know you handle one product that, that I've used personally on my mm -hmm. ground, uh, Liberate, and if you're using something like that, what what is your experience? Is, is there so many pounds it delivers? Is it just a matter of, like you say, in, just working on that small little rhizosphere around each plant? Uh, how do you how do you present that with farmers and and what should we be looking for yeah, if we utilize products like that? Yeah, that's that is a great question. Of course, with our product Liberate, uh, we do organically chelate the calcium, which keeps it um, soluble and available for for uptake. Uh, other forms of liquid calciums, um, I mean, we can go even old school and talk about calcium chloride, um, but for something like that, you're not going to want a lot. Uh, in close proximity to this because of all that chloride. So you might be talking a quarter or two per acre. Certainly with our product, um, you know, a good rule of thumb is is uh, two quarts per acre in furrow. Uh, and that, that really kind of solves the, 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 uh, the puzzle in many situations. There's other forms, uh, you know, for if, if you're fertigating, you can use calcium nitrate. Um, just any form of calcium that, is uh, that's in the uh, uh, the soluble form and and that you know it's, it's I'm not <clears throat> you talk in terms of some people will say liquid we'll use the term liquid lime well that's simply a suspension of calcium carbonate in water uh, it's not really a true solution and so there again you're in a form a form of calcium that's not available to the plant. So, um, and there's another aspect of this, and that's crop management. Um, I work up in Canada, Western Canada, quite a bit, 
and I've encountered situations up there where they are very, very far away, prohibitively far away from sources of lime, and they're getting a acidification in their soils to the point where I'm getting to be a real problem. Well, part of that is is yellow peas, for example, are a big have been a big part of the crop rotation up there, and yellow peas will remove 100 pounds or more of calcium per acre. So over time, uh, you know, you're removing a lot of that calcium from the soil, and therefore your pH is also going to drop correspondingly. So crop management, choosing crops that don't remove so much calcium can kind of help you and slow down that process of, of acidification. Yeah, that's a good tip, and it's something that I know a lot of farmers look at crop removal on N, P, and K because that's typically what they're trying to replace out in fields, but we definitely need to look at that calcium piece as well as as there's a big difference with one crop versus the next as to how much calcium it's going to pull out of the ground. Now we're talking with Dan Peterson here with Liquid. Dan, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Yep, thank you. All right, Brian, calcium, uh, you hear the passion that, that all our guests talk about calcium with, and, and I know we get a lot of questions, and it seems like a lot of the questions are based on pH, and I guess I need to put more calcium on because my pH is low, but but just having enough calcium out there is, is a big part of this. pH is just kind of a result of an imbalance in our soil. Yep, it is. So, I mean, there are a couple different things that – we encourage you to look at action items, let's call them, with your soil test. Number one, we want you to look at your soil pH. If you've got a low pH, well, like we talked about earlier in the show, and especially depending on the crop you're raising, you got to get that pH up. A lot of times we're talking getting it up into the sixes. So that's the first thing. The second thing then is making sure that we've got the right balance of calcium to the other nutrients in that soil. So 65 to 75% is usually where we want to see that, maybe even up to 80% calcium, depending on which lab you're you're getting your soils tested at. But then along with that, I, I, I think it was good. We talked about just biological activity and everything, so we always say have good drainage out there. You also want to have good levels of other nutrients like boron. Boron is incredibly important for helping get calcium into plants. So have a good balance of nutrients, But it really starts, in a lot of cases, with calcium. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car. Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Get what you spray for. Results. Get the lasting control more corn growers trust with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Apply pre-plant, pre-emergence, or early post-emergence to control tough broadleaf weeds and grasses before they cost you. For superior control with a low use rate and long residual, make the easy, high-performing choice. Visit anthemax.ag.fmc.com to get results. Always read and follow all label directions. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. 
This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a Champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash uscrop. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and we're diving back into the Ag PhD mailbag here. Tim sent a soil sample, and he said, all right, guys, uh, rather than send you a whole pile of samples, I've sent you the sample that <laughs> represents most of my farm here. In particular, this zone of this field, uh, I would like to test an application of elemental sulfur, trying to bring pH to neutral and potash to bring base saturation of K up to 4%. So with that in mind, what would you recommend there for elemental sulfur and for potash? I wouldn't recommend elemental sulfur because your sulfur levels are already really high. I'm going to assume you have a drainage issue here. This says cation exchange capacity is 30. 30. That means you got real heavy soil. But when you already have hundreds of pounds of sulfur, you get that drainage fixed and you start working on the K, and you don't have to do it all in one shot because it's going to take a tremendous amount to get yourself from 1.2% K all the way up to 4. But you start on a, on a not a normal person's build program, but a good build program where you put on four or 500 pounds of potash, do that two, three, four years in a row, something like that. And then over time, you'll get that K up. But none of this is going to work very well unless you fix that drainage first. So I could be wrong. It's possible that you've been making high sulfur applications for the last few years, but that's just, it, it's very unlikely. So I think your problem here, number one, is drainage. Number two, yes, there is absolutely not enough K there. And then the third thing is phosphorus. You're nowhere near where you need to be on phosphorus. So you start fixing some of these imbalances in the soil, like copper is only at 0.47 parts per million. That needs to be at least a couple parts per million. Uh, your zinc is 
0.5 parts per million. That's got to get up. So start fixing some of these imbalances, and you're going to see that pH starting to come down from where it's currently at at 7.6. 7.6, by the way, is not terrible. You can raise a great crop as long as you're doing some of these other things that are good for the crop. So, yeah, I wouldn't totally fix everything in one shot. I, I, well, let me rephrase that. I would fix everything in one shot because I don't mind spending the money and we've done this a bunch of times and it works. But for you, my advice is just work on a program over the next, call it three years, three, four years, whatever, to get your K up, get all these nutrients up. So where I'm going with this is don't fix the K one year, fix the phosphorus the next year, fix the zinc the next year. Work on all of them at let's call it one third of where you need to get to. So put on crop removal plus one third of the build program to get your level up to where it needs to be. Because I mean, seriously, like zinc at a half a part per million, it really needs to be probably five, if not more than that. So, you know, you're not, well, again, I would do it all in one shot, but you are not going to want to spend the money and, and fix it all in one shot. But no, there's no possible way I'm putting elemental sulfur on until I get my sulfur levels down to let's call it 20 or 40 pounds per acre, maybe 50 pounds per acre, something like that. And right now you are in the hundreds of pounds per acre on sulfur. Fix the drainage, that'll start leaching away, that'll strip out some of the excesses you've got in your soil, and things are going to start to straighten out. All right, thanks for the question. I uh, get this one from Joel, and Joel said, Guys, we're in the northern Red River Valley along the Canadian border. And we are planting in 22-inch rows. So I'm curious about your corn planting rates. Uh, we're normally averaging 140 to 170 bushel corn. Great years, we can reach 190 or 200. Our population is 35,000 in 22-inch rows. Oh, wow. What, what would you recommend we try? Well, okay, so first of all, that's enough to raise 350 bushel corn, at least 300 for sure. Um, now, let's put it this way. Everything here's, here's, on the farm can be dynamic. trial and error. Here's one and, dynamic, Brian. Now, I don't know yes, what maturity I, of corn they're planting, but huh. just say it's 75-day corn. There are a lot of fixed-ear uh, corn hybrids up in that maturity. I, 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 honestly, I, Darren, I don't care about fixed-ear flex-ear much. I really don't because the size of that ear, just the, let, let me rephrase that. The size of each kernel can change dramatically. It really can. So if everything is great, I don't care if it's a flex ear. I, I, I mean, sure, I understand the logic and all that and everything. But where I'm going with this is I don't think you need, well, I know you don't need 35000 to accomplish what you're, these kind of yields that you're getting. Now, I will say this, if you have because you're telling us averages, 140 to 170, maybe 200. If you have spots in your field that are getting 250 plus, okay, that's a different deal. And there you want to keep the population fairly high. Still probably doesn't need to be 35,000, but 30,000 for sure. And then in the areas in your field where you have low yield, where, because again, you told us averages, I'm going to guess you have some areas that are 100 bushels. 
I'd be cutting that population significantly in those areas. So like even on our own farm, we vary our population from 22,000 all the way up to 36,000, 38,000, something like that. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with varying it quite a bit and just saying, hey, I got some areas that aren't the best. Now, the next thing is let's try to figure out what, why our areas aren't the best and what else we can do to fix yield. So a lot of times that means drainage and fertility. So if you have any soil tests you want us to look at, we'd be more than happy to do that. But yeah, honestly, what we usually tell people is 10 times the uh, population in thousands. So for example, 35,000, that should get us 350 bushel corn. 35 times 10 is 350. Now on the low end of things, we'll figure 7, 7x. So 7 times 35 and what is that? 225 bushel corn. So you're in the 225 to 350 bushel range. And what I'm saying is, if you're telling us the high end is only 200, the the odds are extremely high that your population is not what's what's the yield limiting factor in your farm. So I'd look at something else and I would, at least in the low yielding areas, cut my population. All right. Yeah, and it, it, it costs nothing to try some different populations. Just, yeah, it does, because you might lose yield. So well, we can't say it costs nothing. It, you yes, are you going can to always, save money up always, front, though. You can always lose yield, but you can also gain yield. Yep, you don't that's know. That's right. That's but, right. So I'm Unless just saying, if you bought 10 bags of seed corn, you can still use 10 bags of seed corn. Just try some different rates out there. Yep, Maybe absolutely. you're planting too light. Maybe we're completely wrong, and 40000 be your thing. I'm guessing that's going to be a problem, but here's uh, you the next try. thing. When you start going higher populations, okay, it's just like the the last question that we had come in. He was at 1.2% base saturation K. That's part of why I'd like to see your soil test because I'm going to tell you right now. In fact, I'm going to promise you right now, if you are at 1.2% base saturation K and you're planting 35,000 plants per acre, your corn's going to go down at some point. It's going to fall over. And then you're going to call the seed company and say that the seed was no good. It's not the seed's fault. When you have low K, you can't have high populations. So that's part of this. So, for example, this the farmer that sent in the last question, he had 1.2% base saturation K. I tell him, you know, 25,000 plants per acre, that's probably the limit. Seriously. So low K means you have to plant fewer plants because there's just flat out not enough potassium there to support high plant population. And as long as we're upfront about all these things and we say, okay, here's what we understand, and we have two choices. We can either bump our population in and fix our K, or we can leave our K where it's at, slowly build over time, and keep our populations low. It's okay. And I'm speaking to you about this from first-hand experience on how we've screwed it up on our own farm, had the stuff go flat, had to combine one direction, and we've worked with other farmers who've had all kinds of lodging issues, and it comes down to K about 95% of the time. So that's one of the big things. As we go north, heavy soils, what we find is there's high calcium, high magnesium, and then I mean, sure, there are a fair amount of parts per million out there in some cases. Like, let's see, what did the last guy have here? Uh, 141 parts per million. So it's not completely horrible. But when your calcium is 4,000, 4,700, your magnesium is 700, the potassium is just flat out not in ratio, and it's not getting into the plant, I'll promise you. So you have to look at not just parts per million and pounds per acre, but you got to look at ratios and percentages and 
keeping things in balance. When you do that, then you can be really successful if you want to push high, higher populations. Yeah, one of those big building blocks in the soil is calcium. That was our topic today. Definitely want to look at your parts per million of calcium, as uh, Bill Brush had mentioned, especially in the lighter soils. And then look at that balance as well in the base saturation to try to target that to be in that 65 70% range, ideally. Well, thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.